Today on Not Sam Wrestling, the time has finally come. We're going to chronicle the most insane year in the history of professional wrestling. It's 2022 in review. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh boy, welcome. Happy holidays, everybody. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Hope everybody had a great Christmas if you're celebrating. If not, happy Hanukkah, everything. Hope the holidays treated you well. Hope you got to see some friends, some family. Hope you got some, uh, I hope you got some good gifts, let's be honest. I'll tell you what really struck me was that one of the things that I found under the Christmas tree from Santa, which let me know that I was indeed, as I had thought, a good boy this year, was that uh, he dropped the, and this is not a commercial, he dropped the uh, Royal Rumble uh, Elite Series by Mattel under the tree at my parents' house. Santa visits both residences. And uh, I was putting it together. It's a great set, right? Probably my favorite Mattel Vader. Damian Priest in all white. Brie Bella looking pure Brie mode. And Rey Mysterio in his uh, 2002 gear when he won the Rumble. And it's awesome, right? But the best part of the set is that it's a Build-A-Figure set. So every figure in the set comes with different parts of a fifth action figure. And when you buy all four figures, you 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 build this figure. And the Build-A-Figure in this series was Doc Hendricks. Well, Doc Hendricks, an act, in action figure form, delivered to me on Christmas. Who would have thought? As we watched Doc Hendricks let us know what was happening and when in 1995 that it would take almost <coughs> just shy of 30 years to get him in action figure four. <coughs> but 2022 Christmas is going to go down in history as the Christmas that I got Doc Hendricks in action figure form under the tree. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we are going to be going over the entire year. Today's podcast is going to basically be the story of 2022 and all that it was. But before we get there, while we're talking about the holidays, I do, we've got to reference the fact that as a WWE fan, as a wrestling fan, the holidays have now become synonymous with how is Dominic and Mommy going to terrorize the Mysterio family today. Started on Thanksgiving, and uh, it went over like gangbusters. Rhea and Dominic show up. Rey Mysterio is trying to enjoy Thanksgiving with Aaliyah, with his wife. Has to throw the mask on when Dominic is there. And I mean, it, it, just a complete disruption. Rey Mysterio exposing himself, not for not wearing a mask. He, he, he put the mask on in time but exposing himself as a person who already had the Christmas tree up, by the way, at Thanksgiving, which I actually kind of support. But Christmas Eve came and Abuelo opened the door. Dominic and Rhea Mommy Ripley showed up and Abuelo opened the door and he, he doesn't care. Grandpa doesn't care. He's not here for the drama. Grandpa has lived his life. Grandpa goes, oh, good. Dominic is here. He thinks it's silly that everybody's fighting anyway. So he gives Dominic a big hug. He even gives Rhea a hug. Whatever, good for Dominic, he says, but the rest of the family, not so much. Ray's wife is there. What are you doing? I just love, by the way, that Ray's even gotten Abuelo involved. Ray's wife is there. What are you doing? Ray invites Dominic to step outside. Mommy threatens to hit Ray's wife while they're on the front lawn. Ray's wife hits mommy. Dominic gets arrested. The fuzz pulls up. The lights start going. And the police are there. Dominic gets arrested. He goes into jail. I mean, I thought that the greatest jail scene that the WWE ever pulled off was when the Mountie lost a jailhouse match to the big boss man at SummerSlam 1991 in Madison Square Garden. And he had to go to a New York City jail. And they showed the Mountie 
getting thrown into his cell. And uh, his, his cellmate walks up next to him and says, don't you just love the way leather feels against your skin? And he goes, let me out of here. Let me out of here. Now, the, the reference, the joke was lost on me as a child. But I did think it was funny that the Mountie wanted to get out of jail. Don't you just love the way leather feels against your skin was the quintessential line for me with a WWE superstar going to jail. Now it's, I won't make it in jail. <laughs> Dominic in the police car. Call Priest. Call Finn. You got to bail me out. I won't make it in jail. Mommy apparently did bail him out. But look, everybody is having so much fun with these vignettes that are just popping up on social. They're not built up. They're not anything. They're not even on the same roster, Ray and Dominic. Ray and Dominic have other stories on the television show that they're dealing with. But the tension between the two of them never went away. And it keeps popping up. It's just it's just this added element, you know? Ray is sitting there worried about everything he's worried about on SmackDown. Dominic and the Judgment Day have their own issues with the OC on Raw. But once the holidays roll around and the Mysterios, Dominic doesn't get the invite from the Mysterios. He's showing up. Everybody's been having such a fun time with these. You know, all the feedback that I've seen from wrestling fans are just please every holiday. Like, they want another one on New Year's Eve. They want one on Valentine's Day. I'm surprised we didn't get one on Boxing Day, quite frankly. But it's just fun, right? I see it as something further than that. You know, we talk about long-term storytelling in WWE. And they made no secret of the fact, WWE did, that long-term storytelling was going to be a priority under the Triple H regime. They hired Rob Fee as their head of long-term storytelling. And when people talk about having a head of long-term storytelling, they generally just put it on uh, Bray Wyatt. Like, that's the only thing that comes up with WWE and long-term storytelling and this new head of long-term storytelling is, oh, he must be doing the Bray Wyatt stuff. Oh, the Bray Wyatt stuff. And yeah, I'm sure that he is doing a lot of the Bray Wyatt stuff. But in terms of long-term storytelling, I would put in that bucket all the the Miz, Dexter Loomis, Johnny Gargano stuff. That stuff has been going on for months. That's long-term storytelling. And what I think that we have with Dominic and Ray is long-term storytelling at its finest. Because right now, we just watch these holiday vignettes and they're fun and we enjoy them. And it's like, this is great. It's making Dominic a, a heel. It's making Ray a, a, a complicated hero who's got to deal with his son. But in actuality, I think what we're setting up for is what I predicted last week. I think what we're setting up for is the big Ray and Dominic match. I think they were separated because we need to wait for a grand stage for this thing, right? They needed to be separated because otherwise we'd have to do it right now. We don't want to do it right now. But I truly think that all these holiday vignettes are building up to what is going to be such a, a, a rich tapestry of story for a match, when we see Rey Mysterio versus Dominic, I still believe in my heart of hearts that it will be a retirement match because what better way to go out than to have your son beat you? Uh, but I think that that's, I think that's what this is setting up for. I think what we're seeing is wonderful long-term storytelling where we're just sprinkling in a detail, sprinkling in a detail. And eventually this stuff that we're reacting to as being like hilarious and fun becomes something that, that we can have an emotional connection to, something that will, will, will take us on this ride, that will take us to this match that will probably happen at WrestleMania, let's be honest. So I thought it was great. I, I, I can't wait to see what happens next in this saga. Uh, just awesome. Priest tweeting out free Dom, hashtag free Dom. It's great. Loved it. So, again, that's something that I predicted for 2023. I think as we look forward, everything that we're looking forward to is now in 2023. As we've got less than a week remaining in 2022. 
with less than a week remaining until 2022, I have, I mean, with less than a week remaining in 2022, I have no confidence that we're actually done with the news. I fully believe that something will happen in the next few days that will will leave us with a with a, with with more to add to this list. But as as we approach the end of the year, I thought now would be a good time to try to tell the story of pro wrestling in 2022 and why it was just the most insane time, I believe, in the history of professional wrestling. Certainly the most unpredictable in a very real way. And it starts, I mean, it starts with day one. It starts with the first day of 2022. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar is the advertised main event for a new WWE pay-per-view called Day One, which is going to take place on New Year's Day. Day of day one, I mean, a couple hours before, we find out that Roman is not cleared to compete, that he has gotten COVID. So he can't be on the show. So where does that leave Roman versus Brock Lesnar for the universal title? Well, the WWE championship match becomes a fatal four-way. And people woke up on New Year's Day thinking, we're going to see Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the universal title. What we got was Brock Lesnar dethroning another New Day member. In 2021, Big E had everybody riding on a wave. When he cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase and won that title, day one of 2022, Brock Lesnar comes in, unannounced, unadvertised for the match, and wins the WWE Championship, which it's no way that WWE knew they were going to do that more than a day before. I'm sure they were hopeful that they'd get Roman back in that match. That must have been a day of plan that Brock Lesnar becomes the WWE champion. So one would have to ask how did this end up going all the way to WrestleMania in a title for title match if Brock Lesnar wasn't even supposed to win the WWE championship at day one? Who knows what the original plan was? But that's where we started with Brock Lesnar out of nowhere becoming the champion. That should have been a sign of things that nothing in 2022 was gonna go according to plan. We have the Royal Rumble pay-per-view also in January of 2022. And Ronda Rousey, Returns to the WWE, not quite the shock that her initial Royal Rumble debut had, but still, Ronda Rousey returns, Ronda Rousey wins the Royal Rumble, but the big story coming out of the Royal Rumble was that on the men's side, it was regarded by most fans that I saw as one of the worst Royal Rumbles in recent memory. People did not enjoy this year's Royal Rumble match. Brock Lesnar ended up winning it. Bad Bunny was a part of the final four men, which isn't an insult. People love Bad Bunny. I love Bad Bunny. The problem was that out of nowhere, Shane McMahon returns to the WWE and just goes in there and starts wrecking people. Just goes in there and gets offense on everybody. What we hear is that behind the scenes, Shane McMahon was responsible for putting together that Royal Rumble match. And that a lot of people involved in the Royal Rumble match, the people putting it together, the superstars, the fans watching, were not happy with anything about it. Apparently, as rumor has it, the match went so poorly that Shane McMahon was let go from the WWE. How bad was Royal Rumble 2022? It was fire your son bad. Vince McMahon fired his son, and for the second time, Shane McMahon left the WWE in January of 2022. Now, there were plans for Shane to be a part of the Elimination Chamber. There were plans for Shane to be a part of WrestleMania. All of them went out the window, and Shane McMahon, both behind the scenes and odd screen, 
once again said goodbye to WWE. Also in January. Game Changer Wrestling, an independent wrestling promotion based on the East Coast that have been gaining a lot of momentum over the last couple of years, running shows everywhere. No longer a local promotion. Runs a show at the world-famous Hammerstein Ballroom. Sells out the Hammerstein Ballroom, the same place that ECW ran their last two pay-per-views, the same place that WWE ran ECW one-night uh, one stand. Game Changer Wrestling came in and put on a GCW show, sold out at the Hammerstein on pay-per-view, and yes, Jeff Jarrett beat Effie on the show. Things in AEW start to get a little weird. Cody Rhodes' character, you know, Cody, one of the founders of AEW, an EVP at AEW. Cody's character had taken a weird turn where he was like unwilling to be a heel and it made the fans boo him. Now, in my mind, he was a meta heel, like he was being a heel. That's the way I took his character. But some people, he would go on screen and a certain portion of the fan base would take him at his word that he was actually being stubborn and refused to be a heel. Either way, it started making for some weird television. There was one showdown at the beginning of the year where he and Dan Lambert were going back and forth. And Dan Lambert started laying down all this like outdated misogynistic stuff. And when Brandy Rhodes tried to return, whole audience booed her. And it was like, what's the story that we're telling here? A couple of weeks go by and Cody cuts this promo, which was an Amazing promo. Probably Cody's best promo throughout his entire run in AEW. But nobody 100% knew what he was talking about. He was cutting this promo where he sent shots. He sent shots to CM Punk. He said that in CM Punk's pipe bomb, CM Punk talked about everything that he wanted to do, but that Cody Rhodes did it. He talked about being the forbidden door. He talked about everything. And what we didn't realize was this was Cody Rhodes seemingly getting everything off his chest. Because next, Cody Rhodes would have a match with Sammy Guevara where, I mean, just the most insane suicidal ladder match that you've ever seen. And coming off of that, rumors started to circulate. Before the match, before the promo, Rumors were circulating that Cody Rhodes was no longer under contract and was working week to week. Don't know if that's true. Don't know if his talent contract was up, but still had an employee contract as a SVP. Don't know. Hey guys, if you're missing your favorite show because it's not available to stream in the US, it's time to get NordVPN. With NordVPN, you can explore streaming catalogs from all over the world. Find your favorite anime without flying to Japan. With over 5,000 server options, you'll never run out of new shows. There's a lot of wrestling available globally. If you catch my drift, NordVPN can help out a lot. We all love to use the internet, and your privacy is important. Without a VPN, your internet provider can see everything you do online. All those awful videos you're watching, all your sensitive bank information, everything. That stuff is yours. Don't share it. Keep your information encrypted with NordVPN. Never worry about your IP or location being tracked ever again. NordVPN's new threat protection feature keeps you safe from intrusive ads and malware. With threat protection, infected files are deleted before they even become a problem. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, there's no risk to giving NordVPN a try. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash notsam. To get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to nordvpn.com slash not Sam. But what we learned after the match and the promo was that Cody had just done 
his last match and his last promo with AEW. We learned that the rumors were true and even more so because the announcement was made by Cody and Tony Khan that Cody Rhodes would be leaving AEW. You got to go back and watch whoever your favorite uh, wrestling commentators are during this period because everybody had a take. Some thought he was going to WWE. Some thought this was a work. Some thought this was a Pillman thing. Some thought this was AEW just doing a storyline. A lot of people felt a lot of different ways. But on Raw, references to Cody started being made. Old catchphrases, you know, lyrics from his song, whatever. It would be slipped into multiple people's promos. Eventually, we get to the road to WrestleMania. This is February now into March. And Seth Rollins is without a match. Seth says, you know, I want an opponent. I want an opponent. And as the weeks approach WrestleMania, in the last four or five weeks, rumors go crazy every week. This is going to be the Raw that Cody shows up at. Wrestling fans keep tuning into Raw because they're convinced Cody is going to show up to this one. This one, Jacksonville, Raw's in Jacksonville. It would be too poetic. But Cody never shows up to Raw. Right before WrestleMania, there's a segment on Raw where Seth has a meeting in Vince McMahon's office in Stamford, Connecticut, where Vince says, don't worry, Seth, you have a WrestleMania match. I've chosen him for you myself. But he doesn't tell him who it is. We go, oh boy. We go to WrestleMania. Of course, this is one of those, everybody thinks it's Cody, but there's no confirmation that it's Cody. Nobody's seen Cody. He hasn't said a word to anybody. Even the dirt sheets can't say for sure that it's Cody, but everybody thinks it's Cody. Some people think that there's going to be a Swervsky. There are people theorizing that maybe Shane McMahon will come out first and then Cody will come out second. Everybody's got a different idea. But what happens, I think, is the best thing that could have happened and probably the most unthinkable is that Seth is standing in the ring and the lights go out, boom, 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 boom. And you hear there's more. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Cody's AEW music starts playing, Adrenaline in My Soul. The American Nightmare logo is plastered all over the screens for 100,000 to see in Dallas, Texas, in Jerry's world. Stadium full of people. Everybody's looking at the American Nightmare logo and Cody Rhodes is raised from a platform and the American Nightmare, neck tattoo and all, shows up at WrestleMania to a hero's welcome and has an incredible match with Seth Rollins. The unthinkable of all the trade-offs that could and would happen between WWE and AEW. Cody was the last on the list. It made When Cody left AEW, it made you realize that literally anything could happen, and it was an omen for what would continue to happen in AEW. Now, on their way to uh, uh, WrestleMania, WWE did end up bringing the Elimination Chamber and the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view all the way to Saudi Arabia, where we saw Austin Theory catch that Brock Lesnar suplex off the top of one of the chambers. Amazing. Uh... And at the, around the same time that all this Cody stuff is happening, Kevin Owens starts uh, subtly turning heel. And he starts insulting Texas. Rumors start speculating right after Kevin Owens insults Texas that Stone Cold Steve Austin may be gearing up to do something at WrestleMania. We go, what? No. Because Stone Cold's one of those guys whose legacy means everything to him. Stone Cold is going to do something at WrestleMania? And it's flirted with, and it's flirted with. Kevin Owens finally goes on Raw and invites Stone Cold Steve Austin to be a part of the Kevin Owens show at WrestleMania. Kev, uh, Steve Austin puts out a video online, I mean, shot beautifully, cinematically, announcing that, yeah, he'll be a guest 
on the Kevin Owens show at WrestleMania. It headlines night one of WrestleMania. Kevin Owens and Steve Austin for the KO show. Now, this is another one where rumors are abound. Some people think we're going to catch a stunner and Steve Austin's just going to celebrate. I personally said there's no way that's all that we're getting. Steve Austin might pop in, you know, midway through the show if he's just going to stun somebody. This is the main event segment of WrestleMania night one. This is closing the show. He's not just here to stun somebody. What I didn't realize was how much he was there to do. Because the interview segment, while it goes awry, as interview segments tend to do in the world of professional wrestling, and Steve Austin and Kevin Owens have a match, a full-on street fight match. And I mean, it is amazing to watch. The energy of that crowd while that was happening was unreal. We saw Steve Austin taking back body drops on concrete. We saw Kevin Owens riding a four-wheeler. We saw it all. It was a real match. KO and Austin did stuff. It was a moment in history like we never thought we'd saw or see. We know we saw it. We never thought we'd see it. And Steve Austin ends up victorious. Steve Austin with a... 19 to so 19 year gap. He worked the main event of WrestleMania 19. He said goodbye. He came back for the main event of WrestleMania 38. Who knows if he'll be back this year? It was amazing to watch, but Austin wasn't done because uh, another thing that was kind of unthinkable happened in the build up to WrestleMania is that. Vince, it was announced on a SmackDown early in the year that Vince McMahon would be a guest on the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee, of course, the color commentator for SmackDown. Vince McMahon was going to do a very rare sit-down interview with Pat McAfee, and he did. He did a 90-minute sit-down chat with McAfee in McAfee's studio in Indianapolis. And as part of the thing, he he he, he didn't... It wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't an angle. But he invited Pat McAfee to participate in WrestleMania. After the interview, Pat would start this storyline with Austin Theory. And it would end up with Austin Theory and Pat McAfee in a match at WrestleMania. Pat had done a couple of matches in NXT before. He'd done a War Games match. But only in the pandemic era. Pat McAfee never wrestled on the main roster and never wrestled in front of fans. And his first match was at WrestleMania against Austin Theory. He would end up beating Austin Theory in a hell of a performance, but also had his second match at the same WrestleMania. When Vince McMahon, at 70-whatever years old, decides to get in the ring and challenge Pat McAfee. And Vince and Pat McAfee have a match. Vince's last match, as it stands, was with Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. He beats Pat McAfee. Stone Cold Steve Austin comes to the ring. This is night two now. And Stone Cold drops a stunner on Austin Theory. Austin Theory has an amazing sell, goes about 10 feet in the air. Drops a stunner on Pat McAfee. Amazing sell. Drops like a tree getting chopped down. And then for one final time, drops a stunner on Vince McMahon. And it is the worst stunner sell in the history of the business. It is so comically bad that it's excellent. There's no better way that it could have gone down. And with those highlights... Coming off of one of the worst Royal Rumble matches of the modern era, we have one of the best WrestleManias of the modern era. Now, that WrestleMania started with Triple H putting his boots down in the ring as he welcomed everybody to WrestleMania because Triple H returned to the WWE behind the scenes and on camera in 2022 after taking several months off due to a... a uh, health scare, heart problems. I don't even want to say health scare. It was a real, 
It was a real thing. But Triple H knew he could never wrestle again, and he made the announcement. We found out in 2022, Triple H will never wrestle again. At WrestleMania, Roman's forever champion storyline, uh, it reached new heights when he defeated Brock Lesnar. And in 2022, after Brock beat Big E, unannounced, Roman beat Brock Lesnar. And in a move that many thought, ah, oh, they'll find out some way to split the titles, they'll do this, they'll do that, they didn't. Roman Reigns became the WWE Undisputed Universal Champion and has held both titles ever since WrestleMania. Before WrestleMania in March, over at AEW, even though they lost Cody Rhodes, they picked up something else. It was announced that Ring of Honor possibly going out of business, possibly going to be for sale. They did not make it through the pandemic. They treated people very well through the pandemic, but they weren't able to make it through financially. And Tony Khan announced that he had purchased Ring of Honor, that he was the new owner of Ring of Honor. It was unannounced where they would be on TV, if at all. But very quickly, uh, Ring of Honor pay-per-view started. The scheduled Ring of Honor pay-per-view for WrestleMania weekend happened. And then two others throughout the year. We ended up with uh, multiple new superstars on the AEW roster. Uh, uh, the Embassy, Dalton Castle. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, as well as all the Ring of Honor championships on the AEW roster. The world championship held by guys like Chris Jericho. And... Claudio Castagnoli, Cesaro, who in 2022 joined AEW slash Ring of Honor. And I think most importantly, gave us an amazing trifecta of matches between FTR and the Briscoes. Unbelievable. Also in March, uh, certainly the scariest thing in the wrestling world, I believe, that happened in March was that uh, after a botch on SmackDown, Big E uh, broke his neck. The former WWE champion, Broke his neck. Uh, it, it, it was a lot of people very scared for him. Uh, still thinking about him all the time. Uh, he, he did not lose any mobility. But since March 11th, has been in uh, a recovery, trying to get better. Trying to get better, heal up, and it's unknown whether, if or when, he'll be able to make a return. Um, speaking of AEW and what was going on over there, not only with Ring of Honor, and Cody Rhodes, but in 2022, uh, we got a worked shoot or a, a work or a shoot. I don't think anybody really realizes that started developing between AEW and MJF. It started with MJF doing these interviews where he did it with like uh, Ariel Hawane. He did it with the Wrestling podcast uh, where he would talk about how dissatisfied he was with AEW. He would talk about uh, wanting more money, being a bigger draw than he was given credit for, and the fact that he planned on probably going to WWE at the end of his contract. And he did it in such a way that nobody knew if it was a shoot, a work shoot, an elaborate work. Who knows? They just went along for the ride. Now, I think a lot of people were thinking, okay, this is leading to something until... Uh, double or nothing happened, I believe. Yes, double or nothing. Uh, MJF was booked to face Wardlow. So while all this is going on, MJF in 2022 had finished his storyline with CM Punk, or so we thought, and was starting or, or culminating his storyline with Wardlow, I should say. While the storyline with Wardlow is going on, all of his behind-the-scenes drama is also happening. And... It's all building to this match with Wardlow at Double or Nothing. But that's brought into question when the day before Double or Nothing, see, uh, uh, MJF is booked for an autograph signing that he does not show up to. Nobody's got any answers. He said on this podcast that, that people, security went to his hotel room and, and thought that he needed a wellness check. But he didn't show up to it. Nobody had any answers for the fans that had bought tickets to get his autograph. 
And reports were first that he had flown out and then more specifically that he had at least bought a ticket out of Las Vegas, that something had happened with MJF and that he had he had left Las Vegas and that he was going to no-show the pay-per-view like he no-showed the autograph signing. People said, well, this could be a work, but it's bad business to no-show an autograph signing. It's not something AEW really does. They're a very fan-centric organization, but maybe that adds to the work. Regardless, it was the buzz of the community. And no questions were ever really answered as to what happened with that plane ticket, if he really bought it. Did he plan on leaving? Because he showed up. The opening match of the pay-per-view, MJF showed up, his music played, he went in, he got destroyed by Wardlow, and he left. It was announced, and people figured, okay, I guess he's done for a while. But it was announced that he'd be on Dynamite. The Thursday after Double or Nothing, it was announced that he'd be on Dynamite in Los Angeles, California. Happened to be the show that the uh, uh, Warner Discovery executives would be in the audience for. And he went out on TV and he cut the craziest promo on the entire promotion that you've ever seen, including calling his boss, Tony Khan, an effing mark. But he said the effing word live on television and for the crowd. He ended up getting, they tried to bleep him. They went to black, went to commercial break, and MJF disappeared for the rest of the summer. Did it, maybe it was a work that MJF went into business for himself for once he got in the ring. Nobody knew. And he disappeared. Meanwhile, at Double or Nothing, CM Punk won the AEW championship. He finally won the AEW championship from Hangman Page, uh, ready to take AEW into a new era. But on that same episode of Dynamite, CM Punk decided to jump off the, uh, the, the, the ramp into the crowd to celebrate his title win. Apparently, he broke his foot when he did that. That's what's reported. And he showed up 10 days after winning the, w the AEW championship and announced that he had to go away to get foot surgery. So he would not be the defending champion. He said he offered to give Tony Khan the title back. But Tony Khan said, no, you keep the title. We will crown an interim AEW heavyweight champion. So they did that. And with MJF and CM Punk both gone, uh, John Moxley was crowned the interim AEW heavyweight champion. Now, while all these questions about whether it was a shoot or a work were running, one place where it was no question whether it was a shoot or a work, it was Shootsky, baby, was Naomi and Sasha Banks advertised for an episode of Monday Night Raw to compete. They were the women's tag team champions at the time. Walked off the show right before the show started, reportedly. I wasn't there. But it would seem like they did that because they had to kind of uh, piece together some other matches for the show as they went. But... Point is, Sasha Banks and Naomi, as the women's tag team champions, left the show, still not sure specifically what their gripe was, as they haven't talked about it themselves, whether it was creative, whether it was how they were treated, who knows. But they left, never to come back, at least for 2022. And uh, the next Friday on SmackDown, in a very, very awkward segment, Michael Cole and Pat McAfee were shown on camera as Michael Cole delivered the message that the two had been suspended, the titles were vacated, and that they had acted in a very, very unprofessional manner and let down the entire WWE universe. It was a burial ski, for sure. People throughout the year, especially later in the year, would assume that they were going to come back, and they never did. Uh, as a matter of fact, we closed out the year with the announcement that Sasha Banks, now Mercedes Monet, would be in the Tokyo Dome, would be in Japan for Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, AEW, while all this was going on, 
finally pulled off the pay-per-view that everybody had been waiting for, Forbidden Door, a joint pay-per-view with AEW and New Japan. It finally went down, but it will always have the asterisks. It was a great show, but it will always have the asterisks of the amount of injuries that marred the show. The fact that there was no Brian Danielson. There was no CM Punk. There was no Adam Cole. There was, So all these guys, plus MJF was gone. So they put together the show that they put together, and it was a good show, but we got it done, right? After Shane was fired in January, we get to May. And even more shocking, I believe, than Shane McMahon uh, getting released was that Stephanie McMahon announced via social media that she was taking a leave of absence from WWE to focus on family, effective immediately. She said she looked forward to coming back, but didn't give a timeline, didn't give anything more specific than she was going to focus on her family. And we certainly didn't hear any sort of explanations to why this could be happening. We wouldn't need to find out why this could be happening as it turns out because a month later, a report from the Wall Street Journal comes out and uh, it's uh, the, the report is a detailed uh, investigation, I guess, of uh, women who claimed, some claimed uh, sexual mistreatment, I would say, from Vince McMahon, but the, the, the problem legally speaking, was that Vince McMahon was accused of paying women NDAs using company funds and or giving a woman uh, a, a doubling of her salary when he started a relationship with her. This is all stuff you can't do when you're a publicly traded company. Pretty sure you can't do it as a private company either. But point is, it became a very, very big story. And not only was it announced that Stephanie was coming back, Vince McMahon announced that he was stepping down as CEO while the board conducted their own investigation into what was happening. It was announced that Vince McMahon would maintain control over creative and television, but that Stephanie McMahon would be returning to the WWE as interim CEO, Stephanie said, I'm happy to be back. That sounds great. And no mention of her ever leaving was ever made again. As she's now interim CEO, Vince McMahon is no longer technically the CEO, but he's still running the show as we fans watch it. Vince then started, it was announced that Mr. McMahon would be on SmackDown that night. I remember sitting there. I was on a, a, a short vacation in Florida when this happened, because I remember sitting poolside and just refreshing Twitter because news would just keep breaking. This report came out. Vince is stepping down. Stephanie's back. Stephanie's the CEO. Vince is going to be on SmackDown. It was announced that Mr. McMahon would be on SmackDown. He'd be on SmackDown. He'd be at the Raw after SmackDown, and he'd make three or four TV appearances where he would just come out and and basically say hello. On one episode, he said, uh, WWE is then, now, forever, and most importantly, together. And he left. Then he would come out the next night, and he'd say, uh, or the next show, and he'd say, hey, John Cena's going to be here next week. Pretty good, huh? Then he'd leave. Just to let people know. I guess he wasn't afraid to show his face. Uh... After, in July, so I think that went down in June, so maybe another month later. Actually, it was Comic-Con weekend when it happened because I was on the floor at Comic-Con when this started to break. Uh, Vince, Mr. McMahon, tweets out that he thinks it's time at his age to retire. And so that's what he intends to do. And he announces, effective immediately, he is retiring from the WWE. He is no longer going to be a part of day-to-day -day or year-to-year. -year. He's still going to be a member of the board, 
but he doesn't work for WWE anymore. People think, oh, okay, this has got to be a ruse. This has got to be, okay, maybe a name, but he'll still be pulling the strings. No, Vince McMahon does the unthinkable and has gone from WWE in the same year. Shane McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, and Vince McMahon were all gone from WWE, except Stephanie came back. Wild. It's announced that Triple H is going to take over as full head of creative and talent. So he's going he's gonna to be talent relations and head of creative and, and do the shows. He's going to be in charge of the television shows. And that WWE president Nick Khan and interim CEO Stephanie McMahon are going to step up and be co-CEOs of the WWE. And that's the position that we're left in today with Triple H in charge of creative, Shawn Michaels as the head of developmental, and Nick Khan and Stephanie as the co-CEOs. Unthinkable. Before that, Cody and Seth would come off of WrestleMania uh, and have two more pay-per-view matches. It would be an incredible trilogy of matches so good that even though Seth lost all three, he would come out far stronger and even turn babyface after them because people loved them so much. But what really stopped people in their tracks was in June at Hell in a Cell. It was reported before the pay-per-view that Cody Rhodes had torn his pec. And people didn't know, is he going to wrestle? Is he not going to wrestle? Not only did he show up to wrestle, apparently he tore his pec and then he made it worse in training. Or maybe he had a partial tear and then did a full tear. But he shows up for the match. Seth comes out in his Dusty Rhodes polka dots to enter the Hell in a Cell. Cody Rhodes in one of the best television moments of 2022 takes that American nightmare entrance coat off and you just see the entire side of his body is black and blue. His entire pec, his armpit, the whole thing. His body is already telling a story. And the two of them proceed to have this incredible match. They fight the match of their lives while Cody has a torn pec. Cody's on one arm and, and it's, and it's just about as great a spectacle as you're ever going to see to the point that when Cody Rhodes does come back next year, I'm ready for to see another Cody versus Seth match. Getting back to July, SummerSlam happens at the end of July this year. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar have their WrestleMania rematch. Uh, Roman Reigns is able to beat Brock Lesnar once again, but the damnedest thing happened. Brock Lesnar would drive a tractor to the ring, scoop up the apron side, and tip the ring on its side, having Roman roll out. It's the most incredible visual to believe that within the span of two months, we got Cody in the torn peck and Brock flipping the ring over on its side. Unbelievable visuals for the summer of 2022. Once Triple H took over, he started bringing back everybody. Everybody who was released, everybody who was not used right coming from NXT, everybody. I'm talking uh, not only Karrion Cross. Uh, I'm talking everybody he could get his hands on, okay? Champa starts getting a, a more prominent role on TV. Johnny Gargano comes back. Candice LeRae comes back. Dakota Dakai, Dakota Dakai. Dakota Kai comes back at SummerSlam. We see Dexter Loomis. We see Hit Row. Bronson Reed just came back. William Regal, it's been announced, has been re is returning to the WWE. Everybody who was a victim of releases all came back, assuming they came from NXT, including Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt returned to the WWE, and we'll get there in a second because in August... CM Punk would return to AEW ready to get his title back. Now, they decided to do this in a really weird way. Instead of just doing, they announced they were going to do champion versus interim champion at All Out. John Moxley versus CM Punk. 
They decide to have the match two weeks before All Out. John Moxley beats CM Punk in three minutes. John Moxley's the AEW champion, undisputed. I guess they were just trying to sell the foot. I don't know. I still, to this day, have no idea how that made any sense. And John Moxley says, we'll figure out who my opponent's going to be next week. Next week, it all comes down. CM Punk says maybe he doesn't have it anymore. Ace Steel builds him back up. Ace Steel is best friend, works in AEW. CM Punk signs the contract. It is going to be CM Punk versus John Moxley. We go to All Out. CM Punk beats John Moxley for the AEW Championship. But before we get there, we have the, uh, the, the, the poker chip ladder match, right? The casino ladder match for the poker chip that guarantees you a shot at the AEW Championship. Well, a new faction of, of people led by Stokely Hathaway enters into that match unannounced. They beat everybody up. Stokes gets the chip. He hands it to a masked man who, as it turns out, is the Joker's card for that match. So he wins it. The masked man comes out at the end of the pay-per-view after CM Punk has won the title and reveals himself to be MJF. At the end of All Out, the wrestling world is talking about the fact that we have not seen the end of the CM Punk MJF story. That what we saw was act one and that act two is going to be even better and is going to be all about the AEW championship. One of the few people who have defeated CM Punk in AEW, MJF, is going to be challenging CM Punk for the AEW championship. Or so we thought, because all of that goodwill and, and, and all of that buzz about an angle that had been created, which is what you want, lasted about 25 minutes until the all-out media scrum, where CM Punk saw a journalist who he thought was friends with Colt Cabana. The journalist said, I actually am not friends with Colt Cabana. CM Punk said, well, regardless, and proceeded to eat a muffin while he lambasted Colt Cabana, accused him of sharing a bank account with his mother, which if you really use your brain on that, odds are that he shares a bank account with his mother to benefit his mother. I don't think Colt Cabana is living off his mother's income. I think uh, Colt Cabana, who introduced many of the entrepreneurial uh, tactics that are now used by many different wrestlers, is probably helping his mother with income. But regardless, that's just my theory. He lambasts Colt Cabana. He lambasts AEW. He lambasts uh, Adam Page, who, before the pay-per-view, CM Punk, on one episode of Dynamite, went to the ring and challenged Adam Page to come out in a non-scripted moment, meaning Adam Page was not at all ready to come out because he wasn't scripted to come out, which means that as a, Adam Page looks like a coward for not coming out. I mean, he, he buried Adam Page. Apparently, CM Punk had a huge problem with a comment that Adam Page had made in a promo during their rivalry that had gone unanswered because I guess he didn't have time to answer it because he went home. And while he was at home, he must have just been festering. I would imagine when he was home, he felt that the dirt sheets were writing things about him that were not true, but he felt like he knew where they were coming from because he accused uh, the SVPs of leaking things to dirt, dirt sheets. CM Punk went from being a guy uh, happy to be there and eager to teach the young generation to somebody who said that he was old, he was tired, and he worked with effing children. He referred to the Young Bucks as SVPs that couldn't manage a target. And he did all this in front of Tony Khan. And he, and he steamrolled Tony Khan when Tony Khan would try to step in and, and say things or whatever. It was a, a terrible look for the company. It was a horrible look for CM Punk. It was not a great look for Tony Khan. And it shot a complete bullet in the foot of anything that they were going to do with an MJF angle because nobody cared about the MJF angle after that. They cared about the real-life heat between CM Punk and the Elite, which would spill out 
in what is now affectionately, affectionately known as Brawl Out, which apparently was a huge physical altercation uh, that in, somehow involved CM Punk's do dog Larry, involved chairs being thrown, uh, Kenny Omega being bitten by A. Steel, apparently. He did have a bite mark in his forearm. And it involved AEW having to suspend everybody involved that include not only A. Steel and some other people on staff, but it included CM Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. CM Punk, who had just won the world title, Kenny Omega, who had just won the trios title. At AEW, they go on TV the next Thursday, and they or Wednesday, and they say they can't explain, they don't explain what happened. But Tony Khan just shows up on screen, looking a little nervous, God bless him, and says uh, that the world title and the trios titles are vacated and that they're going to crown a new trios champion that night, and they're going to have a tournament for a new AEW champion that starts that night. Death Triangle ends up winning the trios title. Uh, John Moxley ends up winning the world title. The Elite ends up coming back. CM Punk does not. It was AEW's most talked about show, though, the media scrum. Uh... Mox and MJF would step up, though, in the meantime, in the downtime, I think, especially in that first promo back. Um, and after Box won the title, he would start a rivalry with MJF as MJF planned on cashing in the chip on him now, which would involve William Regal, which would start with a great promo that was centered around uh, MJF and the relationship that he had with William Regal when he went for a WWE tryout but ended with William Regal turning on John Moxley at the pay-per-view. Then MJF turning on Regal three days later. Then Brian Danielson forgiving Regal. Then Regal saying, I only did it because I wanted the best for them. Now I'm going to WWE and leaving AEW. Really, really weird the way the whole thing turned out. Uh, WWE, oh, speaking of vacated titles too, there were reports of beef between Thunder Rosa and various members of, of the AEW women's roster that would begin to bubble up and accusations of sandbagging were made against Thunder Rosa. Thunder would leave AEW with a back injury and Tony Storm would become the interim AEW champion until Jamie Hayter would uh, defeat her and it was announced that she was... Uh, not the interim women's champion, but just the straight-up women's champion. And we have not yet heard from Thunder Rosa on the matter. Uh, and while we're talking about AEW uh, backstage altercations, uh, Andrade, in what may have been a, a, a an attempt to try to get fired, uh, I guess had a problem with Sammy Guevara, who Eddie Kingston also had a problem with, and they spoke about it publicly, but uh, the Sammy Guevara-Andrade uh, uh, altercation ended up getting physical, and uh, <coughs> Andrade ended up getting thrown out of the building and I don't believe has been back on AEW since. Uh, WWE had their first big premium live event in the UK in 2022 since SummerSlam 1992. They've done, uh, you know, uh, UK-only pay-per-views over there, but... It's the first time that they've done one uh, for the global audience since SummerSlam 92. Um, probably the biggest thing to come out of that was not Drew McIntyre singing, but Solo Sokoa shows up on the main roster and joins the bloodline. Big moment for the bloodline. Uh, after debuting at WrestleMania in a tag team match with The Miz against Ray and Dominic, and then uh, having a singles match with The Miz at SummerSlam, it's announced that at Crown Jewel, Logan Paul is going to get the world title match against Roman Reigns. Now, a lot of people, and this leads to a lot of furrowed eyebrows, a lot of people are really not sure about this at all. But once the match happens, man, it's a classic. Uh, I think Logan Paul made a lot of new fans. It was his Bad Bunny moment. Bad Bunny got it pretty much the first time he was in the ring. People recognize that Logan Paul was a great athlete, but the Roman match is what really, really made Logan Paul. Uh, the match had everything. Ton of great spots. Logan Paul using the selfie to do the frog splash 
from the top rope down to the outside and the table. Uh, Jake Paul coming out and getting involved. The vloggers getting beat up by the Usos. It was just, it was just such a wild ride. And watching Roman's face throughout the match tell the story. It's, it, it's probably on my short list of my favorite matches of the year, to tell you the truth. Uh, while we're talking about returns, we mentioned Bray Wyatt return, but it wasn't just any return. Bray Wyatt became the hottest thing in wrestling for a little while uh, due to the white rabbit vignettes that started mysteriously airing. Bray, uh, these white rabbit vignettes started airing and, and, and nothing would be known about them, but they'd all have these QR codes or the, and some had phone numbers that you would scan the QR code and that's how you would get the code. Uh, that's how you would get a clue. Or you would dial a phone number and there'd be somebody on the other, there'd be a recording on the other end giving you a clue. And people started piecing these clues together until it led to extreme rules where we saw The Fiend, Husky Harris, Mercy the Buzzard, Abby the Witch, and all the characters in the crowd in human form. And then a, a swamp door opened up and Bray came out. Now, what we got with Bray was a story that is still, I mean, feels like it's in its opening stages. Uh, but Bray basically wanting to be a normal good guy, but can't control his urges and is in some way, shape or form being pushed by Uncle Howdy, who may or may not actually be a separate entity not the same person as Bray like all those other entities. Another huge return. Nobody thought she'd be back, but Paige, uh, her deal ends up expiring. WWE doesn't re-sign her. I believe Triple H made an offer. She decided not to go with it. She goes with AEW, and Paige has her first match back in wrestling. Of course, now is Soraya. Uh, Soraya. Soraya. I have an intern named Soraya. She must be Soraya. Right? Soraya? Yeah. Soraya. <laughs> of course, now as Soraya, Paige has this match uh, with Britt Baker on AEW pay-per-view. And uh, it really was an amazing thing to see after uh, all this time. We thought she'd never be back, but Paige, a.k.a. Soraya, back in an AEW ring. Uh, the Judgment Day was a faction that uh, completely blew up, you know? Looked like... Uh, not something that would work, but with the help of Rhea Ripley, uh, got over not only the whole faction, but Dominic Mysterio as well. NXT rebranded. After a year is 2.0, they dropped the 2.0, got the gold coloring back, but kept the logo, kept the aesthetic. So it's kind of a, an, an amalgamation of what 2.0 and black and gold was, uh, but still very much developmental. However, it was announced that in 2023, they go back on the road and that Vengeance Day would be their first premium live events since the pandemic, not counting WrestleMania weekend in, in an arena, in front of an arena full of people that aren't from Orlando. Um, AEW got an act uh, pretty, pretty over pretty, pretty hard. The acclaimed became one of AEW's most over acts and one of their most over homegrown acts that they've ever had, especially uh, 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 with Max Caster's rap. Well, with everything. Max Caster's raps, scissor me daddy, scissoring daddy ass, the whole thing, and having great tag matches, just, just got over like gangbusters in a way that is still on fire, which is great to see. Uh, speaking of getting over and being on fire, Sami Zayn just had, I, Sami Zayn's probably the wrestler of the year because of what he was able to do with what he had in front of him. Sami Zayn started the year in a rivalry with, with Johnny Knoxville, that spawned from, from the Royal Rumble and ended up in what I feel is a truly classic WrestleMania match. It's atypical. It's a lot of uh, uh, chicanery, but still a fantastic, fantastic, entertaining professional wrestling match between Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. But it only picks up from there as Sami Zayn joins the bloodline as a goof. But it goes so far and everything works so well that it creates all these new elements and really pushes forward arguably the best storyline in professional wrestling with Sami Zayn in the bloodline. The whole story between him and 
the, being the honorary ooze and 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 Jay main event Jay not liking him and you know just so good, so good. Uh, after over four hundred days as NXT Women's Champion, not only did Mandy Rose uh, Mandy Rose not only did Mandy Rose lose the title, but was released immediately after losing the championship, reportedly due to people finding out that she was posting. Uh, material on her subscription site that didn't fall within the realms of what WWE thought was appropriate. Uh, very polarizing decision. A lot of people feel a lot of ways about it. We'll see if we see Mandy Rose back. I believe that we will. And finally, the last thing of the year on December 30th, which as of this recording has not happened, we get to see John Cena in a WWE ring as it was announced that the final SmackDown of the year would feature Kevin Owens and John Cena squaring off against Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. Really shows you uh, how Kevin Owens and and Sami Zayn have ascended as well throughout the year. It's been an amazing year. I'm sure I missed stuff. I'm sure you can let me know what I missed. But that was the story of 2022. We fit it all in one year. If I missed anything, hit me up uh, on my email, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. We'll talk about it next week. Appreciate you all. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. And if you're looking for even more content, bonus episodes, etc., watching these things go out live, even being a part of our Discord, which is blowing up right now, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. See you next week, everybody.